the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. The following program is pre-recorded. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. Well, uh, they said it was one of the wettest Julys in a long, long time this summer. So let's um, let's start thinking positively. The most delightful surprise in life is to suddenly recognize your own worth. Ain't that the truth? And this is something I'm going to talk about later in the show. But I fear not the man who has practiced 10,000 kicks once, but I fear the man who has practiced one kick 10,000 times. And that's from Bruce Lee. (laughs) And he should know. Okay, as as I always do at the front of our show, I talk a little bit about our uh, webpage and uh, how you can get a hold of any of the materials if you'd like to uh, get a hold of any of those materials. And and what I would suggest is you just go to Google or Bing and and, uh, hit the contact me or email me. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Hit Google Tim Hayes Radio and... uh, you will find uh, my sorry-looking kisser there, and uh, uh, if if you uh, if you Google, I'm usually the first one there. I think Bing, I'm the first one there too. So uh, if that, that's what you like to do, please do. And anyway, the, the, I guess the point is is that uh, we have all sorts of lists that you can get, and you know I've been talking about this dividend growth list for some time, and. It's getting more intriguing as we go along. I think, you know, this week with uh, Facebook getting beat up and uh, it does look like there's a, uh, Twitter got beat up a little bit. Um, you know, the dividend growth in the, in the prime income list, I've been kind of stressing the last couple of weeks and I would suggest to uh, stress those a little bit further. When, when the leaders start to get whacked, usually the rest of the market's going to get whacked and the NASDAQ was one of the leaders. So uh, and I didn't see the close on Amazon on Friday, but, uh, but if it were to close at 170, I, I would suggest that it's going to have some problems for a while. But who knows? Uh, anyway, uh, there's lots of good stuff on the, on that web page. Uh, number one, I guess, is Market Week, which comes out. And, we, and if you're on our email list, we send that to you. And then the daily technical analysis, which we can't send to you. But uh, I would highly recommend that you look at that on a regular basis. Bob Dickey has been pretty good at calling things. And then finally, uh, you know, d- there's a bunch of information about data breaches and uh, cybersecurity, and, and believe me, that's getting more and more important. I, I No one's sent away for this, and I can't believe it, but uh, we have a lot of fact sheets on government health care fundamentals, uh, you know, like Medicare essentials, that type of thing. And you can get any of these you want uh, just by hitting the contact me or in, uh, email me, but there's the government health care fa- uh, fundamentals, uh, Medicare basic facts, Medicare key numbers, 
uh, Medicare enrollment considerations, a woman's guide to health care, caring for aging parents, all those good things. So I'd highly recommend those to everyone who is, uh, you know, if you hit 50, you should know that, that stuff. Um, some other things, global energy ideas. I'm starting to see some of the names that we have here look really, really good. A lot of the uh, uh, MLPs are starting to take off, and that's really, really good. Um, some of the oil service stocks are still having some problems, and we'll go from there. We had two reports that I kind of highlighted this month. Number one is the healthcare report. Healthcare is starting to become a leader. Uh, now, biotech is actually the leader. Healthcare is number three on the list. But, uh, you know, biotech, there's something happening to, to the development stage biotechs. They're just getting killed. So the money's flowing out of there. But if you have good information on your biotech, it goes crazy. And some of the ones with dividends are really starting to, to hold, uh, you know, start to make big bottoms. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But it's a good place to start. Uh, the Imagine 2020 portfolio. I highly recommend that. Uh, this is a portfolio you could hold till 2025 and see what happens. And uh, it's got some real high quality names on there. And, and uh, it's, you know, it's industrials, technology, uh, financials, healthcare, all the kit and caboodle. And our all cap portfolio, which we can run for you uh, very cheaply, it's, it's got some good stuff in there. We have our top global ideas, our top ideas, our top small cap ideas are all, you're welcome to them. And we also put out a newsletter uh, in August's newsletters. How many of these uh, financial mistakes have you made? <laughs> Number two, tax benefits of ownership after tax reform, because it's different from, from what it was. And building ca- confidence in your strategy long term for retirement. So uh, a couple things. Okay, let's get started. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, a couple things that we should probably talk about is, is number one. Um, well, let's just let's bring some facts to you. About six point five percent of the workers under age thirty five changed jobs in the first quarter of last year. That's pretty amazing. That just, uh, just tells you what kind of a turnaround we have. And uh, I, I guess the second thing is since eighteen ninety four, the U.S. has experienced thirty four expansions. Expansions. They they usually last ten months to one hundred and twenty. The current ones is tenth year is already longer than all but one, and that's in nineteen nineties. And then the internal combustion engine fires the over the overwhelming majority of uh, world's vehicles. Only one point three percent of new cars registered last year were electric. So all that stuff about Tesla and it's up trading at three hundred times uh, re- revenue and it's one point three percent of the population. Uh, the number of patents. Whose medical care costs at uh, patients whose medical care costs at least a million dollars over the course of one year rose by nearly ninety percent between two thousand fourteen and two thousand seventeen. That's pretty interesting. Uh, by the way, last week I made a mistake. the The S and P did make a new high, so there we go. Uh, so, uh, you know, we talk about the process here, and uh, so let's start from the top. And what we try to do is we start from the top and move our way down. And if if you can't describe what you're doing as a process, you probably don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so the GDP report came out. It was up 4.1%. That was a big number. And uh, there's always a but. And uh, I, this is the fastest pace since 2014. Uh, and the economy now surpassed $20 trillion. The key driver was the consumer. as it uh, Spending roared back. I mean, I'm telling you, it was big. And uh, the, the next largest... Boost came from net exports, but that was largely due to a spike in soybean and other exports ahead of tariffs. So we don't know if that's going to last, obviously. But, you know, look, it's, it is the fastest growth rate, 4.1% since 2014. It's slightly below consensus. People were looking for 42 
on the back of 4% growth. So that's the first time in a long time we've had those two in a, in a monthly period or in a quarterly period. Uh, I guess the economic implications are consumer balance sheets and strong labor markets should support continued uh, spending growth. Uh, we would we think so. Net exports are unlikely to see the same strength because of the soybean scenario. And the Fed implications, this, I don't think this should change the trajectory for the Fed at all. Uh, you know, they're probably going to continue to raise rates. And, uh, look, uh, expectations were high heading into the report, so I don't know if anybody's going to be uh, surprised by this at all. We'll, we'll see. But I thought it was kind of interesting with 46.6% of the S&P 500 having reported quarterly earnings. 78% of the companies are delivering earnings per share beats. Uh, second quarter expectations are revenue, earnings, and, and EPS growth of 8.5%, 20.5%, and 22.5%. So those are pretty big numbers. Now, it's really important about guidance, okay? So we'll just leave it at that. Now, you know, I talked about Bruce Lee earlier, and, and he said basically in so many words, he'd, he'd rather uh, deal with somebody who's made a uh, 10,000 kicks of the same kick each time because he, that, obviously they get very, very good at it. And I just want you to know that uh, somebody asked me, Tim, you know, you know, what do you like about your job? Well, one is the interface with my clients and, and people in general. But what is enchanting to me is about technical analy- analysis and, and um, you know, fundamental analysis on stocks and bonds. And I have, you know – if I'm good at anything, it's looking at a lot of charts very swiftly and being able to divine the most basic patterns and trend lines. And it just amazes me. I'm memorized by the fact that uh, chart patterns continue to, to happen again and again. So over the course of, you know, what, 20, 20, 30 years, I've looked at literally millions of charts. And not only do I never get bored with it, but uh, – I get bored when I, I'm not looking at the charts, and, and I guess the point is is that there's the patterns continue uh, in the long haul. The patterns repeat time and time again. Why? Well, it's the psychology of investing, okay? It's the psychology of the investor. That's what you're, you're really looking at. It's a picture of the psychology. So now I had an interesting uh, conversation with a gentleman this week, and he said, uh, well, Tim, you know, I asked him, what is his objective? And he said, well, I like safety, income, capital, uh, you know, increases. And I said, well, it's pretty hard to have all three. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you have safety and income, usually you're not going to get the capital appreciation you're looking for. So uh, I think sometimes people have to set down a mission, you have to set down, you know, what they want. And then we had a discussion between passive uh, and and you know, regular investing. And, and uh, look, if you're an active investor, what you're looking for is outperformance. If you're a passive investor, what you're looking for is cheap performance. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't go to the cheapest doctor. And I don't buy the cheapest car. <laughs> and yet people keep beating people up about fees on their investments. How dumb is that? I would rather have the most talented guy out there running my portfolio. It's that simple. Now, uh, you know, people keep uh, beating people up on expense ratios, expense ratios. I'm sorry, I, I don't, I, I don't agree with that. I mean, I'm looking for the best money manager I can, I can find. Uh, <laughs> you know, Pete, we were talking about, uh, you know, I'm always into statistical analysis, and uh, 
there's you know there's a lot of people out there that look at uh, what they call the complexity theory and and you know if most of everything that happens falls within the standard bell curve distribution and occasionally you see stuff like October of 1987 or 2008 that falls outside it uh, but you know for the most part statistical analysis it's almost uh, I mean, you know, a Black Monday almost is a statistical, you know, impossibility, but it, it happened. But the point is, is that with the bullish percent and with some of the stuff that we go over every week, I think you can hide from that to, to a certain degree. I mean, we did make the call in, in 2007, right at the end, that the money market would outperform the stock market. It's not that hard, believe me. So stay tuned. And, and I think uh, people get too carried away with statistical stuff, but, you know, it's, sometimes it's good. Uh, I, I looked at dynamic asset level investing again this week. U.S. small cap growth is still leading, although it got killed on Friday. M- micro cap was number two. Uh, small cap blend and mid cap growth were three and four. So it's, it's uh, fairly interesting uh, stuff there. Um, now, I noticed emerging markets, you know, still have uh, not really turned the corner. Uh, but I am also seeing that, you know, U.S. equity is, is you know, gone kind of through the roof. And so you've got to be a little bit more careful. Now, one of the things I, I wanted to talk about is we always talking about replacing our paycheck with dividends. And, you know, I, I'm a big fan of dividend growth and, and prime income. But, you know, what if we could get you a check a month and and also get some capital appreciation? So what we did, our friends at Dorsey Wright and I, uh, I asked this question and they, they put it together for me, uh, for, for, for a lot of people. But they're, they're looking at uh, stocks with good technical analysis and with good dividend yields, and the dividend yields are 3% or greater, and they grow a little bit. And that's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, there's uh, a possibility. So what if you had the check of the month club and the dividend growth portfolio in two different separate things? What a great way to retire. Your dividends are growing. You get some all on a quarterly basis, but then you get some coming every month. Uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, I think we only got a couple of minutes, so I'll just... Uh, trade issues and flattening yield curves continue to dominate headlines. The U.S. housing market was quiet, hit, hit a soft patch this year. Uh, some consumers, consumer confidence remains quite high, but beneath the sur- surface, consumers are singing the blues on on uh, rising home prices and interest rates. So that's kind of interesting. I, I think this week President Trump uh, met with the European Commission uh, President John Klon Juncker to discuss trade agreements, and uh, th- I don't think anything became of it, but it'll be interesting. Uh, and then the U.S. equity markets have seen a great earnings season, man. And so we're going to be um, going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Veterans, are you struggling and looking for help? Well, the great thing about Ohio is that there is a county veteran service office in all 88 counties across the state. These county veteran service offices can help with transportation to your VA appointments, help you process your VA claims, provide transition assistance, provide emergency financial assistance to those that qualify, and so much more. Just visit ohiovets.gov to get more information. They are here to help you. Sponsored by the Ohio Department of Veteran Services and aired by OAB and this station. Hugh Hewitt sees a strong case for Trump in 2020. It's going to be very tough to beat Donald Trump because people like jobs, people like economic growth. Moreover, 
The never-Trumpers are trapped in never-Trumpism. It's like they dug themselves a deep, deep hole, and the first rule of holes is stop digging, but they can't because they hate him. The people who hate on President Trump just can't get over it. The Hugh Hewitt Show, weekday mornings at 6, right before Bob France at 9 on AM 1420. The Answer. A powerful threat calls for a greater response. Not tomorrow. Not in a few years. But right now. Some battles must be faced together. Cancer fighters stand up to cancer every day. And you can be part of this battle too. Visit standuptocancer.org slash American Airlines to learn more. Together, we can save lives. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Okay, we're back. Uh, if you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And uh, so what happened this week? Well, first of all, Facebook had an earnings flop. And also they talked about three or four quarters of spending a lot of money. And then they hit Twitter. Now, Twitter, I think Twitter did the right thing. Uh, me personally, now I'm not an analyst, so don't go out and buy Twitter based on what I said. But I think they did the right thing to get rid of the machines from uh, you know a lot of robots throwing crap out there that uh, shouldn't be heard from anybody. But uh, Facebook's earnings were you know basically they're talking about uh, I mean they dropped one blonde shell after another, <laughs> a lot of red flags. So that that's one to be careful with. And you know um, Jeff Gunlock, I I kind of read on the Riot Act uh, last week and the week before saying that he made a pretty bad call on Facebook. He said to short the stock. Well, maybe uh, maybe he's right, uh, more right than we think. And then the other question is the trade war over. And, and the reason I say that is if you look at the Dow Jones Industrial and the NASDAQ, the NASDAQ turned down for the first time and the industrials turned up. As a matter of fact, on my, I looked at breakouts this week and on Thursday, almost 70% of the breakouts were industrial companies. Hmm, that's interesting. And an old bull can still run, I think, is the next thing. Uh, you know, every every week we heard, uh, you know, that this is getting over older and older. Just remember, it it's not, uh, you don't have to worry about the market. You have to worry about what? Well, look, the single most important factor to follow is Fed action. The Fed has killed every business cycle since I've been in the business anyway. And if it's determined to kill the patient through aggressive intervention in the form of rate hikes, then the current health of the patient is irrelevant. He's, they're going to, you know, they're going to kill it. Okay. Now, um, <laughs> look, there's a couple articles out there. One on Steve Loeb, who's a really good hedge fund manager, and he's very outspoken. And he he points to the deleveraging of U.S. banks' balance sheet, currently around four point three trillion. And I guess the question is, uh, is a small balance sheet? Uh, for the Fed, good. 
And a lot of people uh, think that that's, that, that is good. And, and I'm not so sure they're wrong, but I don't know how, you know, fast you want to get there. <laughs> that's the point. So once you've flooded the market with money, when you retract it, you got a problem. Okay. Uh, now, Somebody also asked me about buybacks, and, and one thing I'll mention is if you look at the performance of share buybacks and you tuck the top 100 companies, uh, the outperformance of the S&P 500 over the last 15, 20 years has been significant. And uh, I, I think, you know, you just got to think about that for a while. So, uh, you know, I've got a list of all the names here that, you know, the top 100 names uh, that, bought, that bought back stock, and, and that's uh, – you know, it's, it's a, makes for a very, very interesting uh, scenario, I think. So, uh, there. Well, so I guess the point is, is that there are people out there who think that, um, you know, buying back stock doesn't work. Well, you know, if you buy back stock and, and raise dividends, if you, by the way, the top hundred, if you got the top fifty who are buying back stock and raising their dividend every year, uh, it's a significant outperformance, and that's what we're trying to do uh, with our dividend growth portfolio and some of my ideas. Um, Credit Suisse is still, uh, which, you know, we get some of Credit Suisse research, and and they're still very cautious on China. It it, it tricked up a little bit, but they think the credit growth has really slowed uh, since 2017, and their retail sales have lowered uh, to the lowest level in in 20 years probably. Um, there is, there's been no meaningfully slow, meaningful slowdown in supply growth or business confidence yet. So we'll see, but the housing Michael market cycle, uh, can it sustain itself because they're, they're building stuff out of the, you know, out in the middle of nowhere and, uh, China's equity markets have sold off fairly sharply so far this year. And there's some structural issues there that, you know, we, uh, we think could be a problem. Now here's some stuff that I, I think is, is, is pretty important and, Look, the uptrend remains intact uh, in the markets, and I'm just going to talk about some technical analysis here. But the momentum indicators are becoming fairly overbought, and uh, especially in the NASDAQ composite. Uh, and on the positive side, if we look at the relative performance between the S&P 500 and the TLT, which is the bond ETF, the S&P 500 is still on the verge of making new, new all-time highs against it. Um the concerns basically I have at the the index level weekly and daily momentum indicators are showing signs of decelerating or peaking a little bit. Now we started to see that at the end of the week here, but growth versus value, the uptrend remains intact. In There's some minor divergences in the small cap stocks. Um, we're getting some sector rotation outside of technology's dominance, although it's it's you know weakening a little bit. There's some domestic focus groups that are starting to emerge, led by retail, some of the transports, uh, financials. You know, I said they were bottoming last week, and it looks like they are, notably banks, by the way. Uh, and some global growth cyclicals, such as machinery, are starting to turn a little bit, too. So uh, we'll, we'll watch those very closely. The one thing I want to stress to everybody is that the the emerging markets are becoming very, very oversold, and they're starting to turn up a little bit. So, uh you know, you're, you're seeing some of the uh, momentum indicators start to at least bottom anyway. Uh, and if I look at the Russell large cap growth versus value, uh, there is some, you know, we're seeing some value starting to kick into gear a little bit. So we'll see if that continues or, or they have a second leg up. Um, the 10-year, 
you know, which I said probably wouldn't break over 340, uh, turn back up. So maybe uh, maybe we've got to keep an eye on that. But uh, look, I would suggest the the underperformance comes from all the all the foreign countries, <laughs> and the outperformance is basically in the small cap, uh, you know, Russell 1000, 2000, and mid cap area. Uh, the QQQs have been outperforming, but they they hit some momentum. The momentum peaked, I think, this week, um, at least short term. So what I've been seeing is improving. We talked about buying yield was REITs, utilities, staples, and healthcare, and we've just been talking about that for basically three or four months now. So this shouldn't be a a sign. Uh, financials are becoming oversold, uh, starting to turn up a little bit. Technology, there's some marginal weakening there. You know, uh, there's some groups, you know, like the semi-equipment group uh, weakened and then burst on the scene Friday, you know. Industrials were weakening, and then they turned up again. Materials are still weakening, and energy turned down a little bit and then turned back up. So, uh, you know, I, the only thing I guess I'd say about that is REITs are becoming a little bit uh, oversold, uh, overbought, I mean. But the, the, the food and tobacco group are improving. Pharma and biotech are improving. I mean, uh, saw several big cap drug companies break out, and they had beat and raise uh, quarters too, by the way. Um, software and see- services are still leading the way. Semis continue to kind of negate. Uh, it's a negative divergence, let's put it that way. But I think, you know, we saw some... Nice action on LAM and, and uh, Applied Materials on Friday, so there you go. And materials uh, continue to weaken, it, and energy is actually peaking. The oil is actually peaking, but some of the stocks look pretty good, uh, especially the expiration production. The bank index, uh, I think the lows have, have formed, and the, it's going to start to turn up here. The regional banks look especially good. Um, the industrial sector, I think, broke its downtrend line, its short-term downtrend line, and some of the rails are starting to lead the way. And, and, and by the way, I think that's great. Uh, you know, so look, um, I, I talked to some people. Uh, I talked about some things this week, and I, I th- thought I'd just run them by you. You know, I think if you are thinking about yourself as an investor, you've got to think of are you a preserver? Are you a follower? Are you an independent? Or are you an accumulator? So if, you know, I, I would suggest that, you know, if you're a passive investor, you're probably conservative, moderate type risk aversion. If you're active, you're looking for growth and invest and, and aggressive growth for that matter. And I think you have to identify those traits of yourself uh, or you're, you know, you're going to have problems in the future, right? It's that simple. So, um, you know, it's just something to think about, you know, when you're when you're thinking about your portfolio, setting your objective. OK, and, and I talk to people about this all the time. And, and what I talk about is, uh, look, you know, have dividend growth. And if you can't stand any risk at all, don't have any risk. You know, look at high quality names, you know, bonds, uh, make them short term, you know, that type of thing. Um, and, and then go from there. But uh, if you don't know what your risk tolerance is or what type of, you know, are you a preserver, a follower, an independent or accumulator? You better, you know, you should start to think about that for a while. So uh, once again, you know, I want to talk about, uh, I had several people ask me about the emerging markets. A lot of people have these in their 401k or they've been asset allocated <laughs> by, uh, you know, asset allocation doesn't work all the time. I mean, 2008 it didn't work at all. Uh, 
and and this year, if you, if you, you know, if you have money in bonds or if you have money in the foreign markets, you're, you've got pen, you know, uh, that part of your portfolios is getting killed. All right, uh, and you're not really making a whole lot of money in domestic securities uh, because the markets, you know, especially if you're indexing, your markets are about two percent. Um, so, I would suggest though. In the emerging markets, we're very, very oversold, and we just turned up a little bit. So, you know, don't run out and uh, uh, sell everything at once. Also, uh, I came up with a bunch of small cap ideas, and uh, they got beat up pretty much on Friday. They were, uh, I think the Russell was down 2%. Um, but what I looked for was uh, a shopping list with technical attributes that are very, very high on the Dorsey Wright system, and they show up on my machine. So we'd like to hear more about that. Uh, give us a call. Uh, in the meantime, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. And I ask you, friend, what's a fella to do? Because her hair is black and her eyes are blue. And I'm near right thin. I've been taking a word. Let's simplify window shopping. How does this sound? Eight quality windows for your home from $58 a month from a name that you can trust for 58 years. This is Len for Empire Window Company. 855-76-EMPIRE. You know, you deserve a great product at a fair price from a local company with an excellent reputation. That's Empire Window Company. Enhance the beauty and value of your home with a variety of custom and designer windows, siding, and doors. 855-76-EMPIRE. Thinking about vinyl siding? Try 30 off and free gutters with your siding project. And here's an idea. What about a fun and easy way to see what replacement windows and new siding would look like on your home before you buy? Just check out Empire's online windows and siding design center. You can change the style and color with just a click of a finger. EmpireWindowCompany.com. A local company in business for 58 years. That's a lot of satisfied customers. Empire Window Company. 855-76-EMPIRE. It's only one death. Some And then another. Not quite national news, just a local thing. But they've been adding up and up year after year. Drivers killed by trains because the crossings had stop signs instead of gates. The state of Ohio likes signs. Gates cost money. What's another life worth? Report on gated crossings and learn more at angelsontrack.org. Sponsored by Angels on Track, aired by OAB and the station. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. Okay, we're back, and, and you know, this is the part of the show where we talk about our technical indicators or the bullish percent, which, uh, as you may know, is a uh, scenario where uh, uh, this was designed, if you've, if you've listened to the show quite a bit, this was designed as a risk management tool. It doesn't tell you where the market's going. It doesn't tell you, you know, do you have to get out, 
out 100% or anything like that. There's other indicators that we use in, com- in uh, conjunction with this to make those type of calls. But what it does is this tells you how high the risk is, all right? So when you go, it goes from zero to 100. And when you get over 70, that's the red zone. That's when things are too hot to handle, as we used to say in baseball. And you want to, that's when you should be fearful, okay? When you get below 30 and, and everybody's bummed out, that's when you should be, you know, making a list and checking it twice and, you know, getting ready to, to buy, buy, buy. Okay. Uh, but right at the moment, we're at 56. Now, there's two other things you got to know. A column of X's means we're in an accumulation phase. A column of O's is a distribution phase. It's just old point and figure charting. That's all it is. And right now, we're in a column of X's. We're at 56. Uh, we were up 0.8%. We, we reversed down at 52. That's pretty far away. Uh, in the over-the-counter, the small-cap index, we're at, we're at 50. Uh, we're still in a column of X's, 46 when we turn down. That's pretty far away. Still in a column of O's in the world index, but remember, you know, we're at 39. We, we're up 0.6 this week, so we're getting close to that 30 level. That's why I'm saying, you know, if you've already been hit, now's not the time to get, you know, uh, totally negative. You want to be start thinking, thinking positively maybe. But there were no changes uh, at, at all to any of the bullish percents this week as far as, you know, uh, going – from X's to O's and that type of thing. And there were no changes in the positive trend indicators. The high-low indexes. Now, all this is is comparing the number of new highs versus new lows. They're all in a column of X's. Usually, that's the first thing to go, i.e., the advanced decline line. That's the number of advancers versus decliners. When that's very close to a new high, which it is, usually you don't have major sell-offs. Uh, matter of fact, I can't think of one time in my life that uh, – uh, You've had major sell-offs. Uh, usually, major sell-offs occur after months of deterioration, advanced decline line. The small cap area is one area of the market that has been able to outpace the broader equity averages. Now, the NASDAQ uh, has been going up a lot, and I've stayed away from it simply because of the fact that the there's six or seven stocks there, and like three or four of them have pretty high P.E. ratios, and I'm not interested in buying 300 times earnings. Uh, and so when they started to crack, the, but the Russell – May get beat up a little bit because the NASDAQ ta- will take everything down, uh, especially anything with volatility. But this is uh, this chart continues to trade above its bullish support line, and it is overall in a positive trend. So with the weakness, I'd be looking at uh, some of these things. The, the monthly momentum for the Russell has just turned back to being positive, and I'm talking about monthly momentum, so it takes a month for that to change. So it'll be interesting to see what's going on there. Um, if we were to break, uh, I think it's 1712 on the Russell, it, it would be a triple top breakout. That'd be very, very big. Uh, you know, very, very big, I think. So, uh, you know, monthly momentum usually stays positive for at least a month or two. Uh, you know, sometimes longer, sometimes less. You never know. Um, it's it's very, it's rare. I mean, a couple times I've seen it. In 2011, I saw the monthly momentum turn within a you know, in one month, be positive, and literally the first week of the next month turned very, very negative. It's very rare, though. Uh, all the indexes, we, we had some positive uh, momentum in the Dow this, this month, and it was mostly the industrials um, and the, and the uh, staples in the Dow that were holding up. We still had negative momentum in all the rest of the indexes, uh, with the exception of the, the, uh, the spiders, which is the capitalization weighted and a lot of big industrials in there that were positive this week. So uh, still everything looks good long-term, short-term. You know, that's uh, we we have some selling going on and uh, that happens from time to time. 
part of the problem is the you know in the summertime <laughs> half the major money managers are at the Hamptons or on the Island and or you know uh, in uh, Nantucket or you know Martha's Vineyard or something like that uh, and then uh, in California they're you know on the beach at Newport etc so uh, we we looked at the relative strength between the equal weight S&P 500 and the capitalization weight uh, S&P 500 and when this when the chart's in a column of O's, it suggests a positive relative strength or equal weight. When the chart's in, in column of, uh, I said column of X is column of O's, it suggests the cap weight exposure is likely to outperform. And uh, a couple things, just a few observations that I looked at at this graph. Uh, number one, from 1231-1994 to 724-2008, the, the equal weight has outperformed the S&P on a relative strength basis for about 70% of the time, only, uh, only on one column change failed to produce outperformance, by the way. Uh, on a cumulative basis, the RSP has outperformed the SP, S&P by just over 220%. So once again, here's where indexing, you know, is it really worth being cheap? If you employed a relative strength switching strategy using the chart, the chart uh, you would see really great in, in performance. And, and you can buy the RSP, by the way. So uh, there you go. Now, we also uh, talk about uh, the bullish percent for groups. And this week, we added uh, another favored sector. So we're up to 15 favored sectors. The actual level was only up 0.08%, so we're at 50. So it's a good place, you know, a good place to be involved. As far as, uh, you know, we only talk about the favored sectors, and we start from the top, which is where you should be waiting. And then we, we mention the bottom. And... Uh, Forest and paper products and banks are at, are at 65. We have nothing over 70. Remember, just three months ago, we had all sorts of, you know, the banks were at 80. I think they were 90, actually. And then at 54, we have leisure and, uh, and oil. And then at 48, we have retail, software, waste management, healthcare, and restaurants. A lot of the waste management stocks broke out big this last week. And then uh, at 45, which, you know, these are areas where you might be want to take a look, is the Internet, business, and computers. And then uh, at uh, 40, we have um, oil services and semis, although I don't see the oil services stocks. And then at, at 35 to, uh, yeah, 36 to 38, we have uh, biotechnology. We do have several that are not favored, that are 30% or below, and they are precious metals and non-ferrous metals. And then Wall Street's at 23. So you'd like to see those turn around, and that'd be a good place, good spot to be uh, 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 buying some of those. You know, I was looking at, uh, at at Goldman Sachs's earnings and Morgan Stanley's earnings, and they were phenomenal. They didn't go anywhere. Uh, Morgan Stanley raised their dividend by 20%, and they had a great quarter. Uh, but they don't like them right now. And I don't know if it's because of the interest rates or whatever, but uh, Goldman Sachs had a great quarter too. So uh, what do you, what do you know? Anyway, we had some sectors move. Uh, savings and loans, which was totally unfavored, moved up to like just just below average. Steel went to average from being totally unfavored, and then forest and paper products went to uh, being uh, uh, fa- favored. And that's a little bit overbought, so you want to watch what you you buy there. But uh, some people have been talk asking me about China because it's down a lot, and. Um, if you look at some of the, you know, if we look at the Qi, which is uh, one of the Chinese ETFs, or the China CNN, uh, CHN funds, um, you know, you know, the, well, the, the, some of these 
offers a way to buy different parts of the market. Okay, so uh, but if you look at the overbought, oversold readings, it's it's negative sixty nine percent, making it pretty much as oversold as it's been since December of two thousand sixteen. And so that's why I'm telling everybody, you know, out there, uh, look, it's it actually has you know pulled back hard and then broken above its. Uh, this is the energy group is is chi uh for the, it's the energy etf for china it's it broke out and then pulled back and is now back in a column of x's so it's one to take a look at i don't know if i'd be buying it here or not i am i did notice that the if we look at the uh, emerging markets the morgan stanley corporate index um they they did break a triple top the other day it's still well below its uptrend line so uh you know it's not a solid citizen but you know you might if you're in the foreign markets in your 401k and you're getting just lambasted, it might be uh, a good thing to, uh, to to pay attention to. Now, we talk about the 10-year uh, yield all the time here, the TNX. It reversed back up into a column of Xs just as it, it was like a box away from breaking uh, uh, down completely. And then now it's just one box away from, from breaking its downtrend line. So, uh, it's in one of these what we call triangle patterns. So whichever way it breaks, it's probably going to be a big break. Uh, it did flip to positive monthly momentum, so that's why I'm I was saying three point four percent. You know, might by not be too far away. Um, there is what they call the CBUS ten year spread, and uh, th- that's where you you look at the five year and the thirty year indexes and uh, together. And if you look, the FYX remains in a positive trend. The TYX has been a negative trend since the end of May. These are all the yield indexes now. Uh, if you look at the CBUS 10-year spread, which measures the spread between the high-yield corporate bonds and the U.S. Tre- uh, treasuries, that competed a bullish catapult earlier this summer, or this month, I'm sorry, uh, with the chart reversing back up. So, uh Look, there's been a lot of uh, talk recently about the possible inversion of the Treasury yield curve. And as Bloomberg reports, some Fed regional bank presidents want the central bank to be cautious in raising interest rates to prevent that from occurring. Um, Fed Chair uh, Chair Powell says uh, the alarms about the flattening yield curve are probably overblown. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But, you know, yield curve inversions have preceded the last five recessions, just so you know. So there are not many other notable developments within fixed income beyond, beyond that, but that's pretty notable. Uh, as far as commodities, uh, crude oil went negative this week for the first time in five weeks. Uh, copper is still negative after, you know, it had a big run up, big run down, big run up. And gold continue, has been weak for 14 straight weeks now. So some of the indexes have been uh, very weak for, you know, four to five weeks. And corn has been positive. Uh, but if, if you look at some of the... Uh, index you know uh or the uh, futures funds um there's some interesting stuff going on there <laughs> uh i would just suggest if you know a lot of people were talking about long short funds right now and that might be a good idea who knows but we don't don't i, I don't see that terribly yet but uh i am seeing some of these private equity etfs starting to look fairly interesting too so uh stuff to think about as far as relative strength buys or sells this week we had a few remember these Relative strength is important in every technical aspect. And what we're trying to do is we're giving you, we started from the big, big thing and we've moved down to give you ideas. And relative strength is important in all technical analysis. So what we want to do is we want to match that with the fundamentals. And if they match together, you're in great shape. All right. So relative strength buys Helix Energy, Cleveland Cliffs, local company, Data Watch, Armstrong World, 
Avid Biosystems, Origin uh, Agritech, and Castlight Health. On the cell side, Century Aluminum, Dynavax, Gildan Activewear, Halliburton, JetBlue, Omni Solutions, uh, China Southern, and Zanirba Pharmaceuticals. Okay, we're going to be back with uh, Insiders. Stay tuned. Find the place that you can call home with help from OFA. The Ohio Housing Finance Agency provides down payment assistance, lower interest rates, and more to help Ohioans purchase the homes of their dreams. OFA also funds the development of affordable housing across the state to help families, seniors, and individuals find safe, quality housing. For more information on how OFA can help you, visit our website at www.ohiohome.org. Sponsored by the Ohio Housing Finance Agency, aired by the OAB and this station. I'm Tiffany. I have some tips for you on how to quit smoking like I did. First, I did some reading about it. I found a lot of great advice on how to quit smoking and picked out the ways I thought would work best for me. I started by setting a quit date. Then I threw out my ashtrays, lighters, and matches. I did other things, too, like exercising more, and it worked. But I'd still get cravings, especially on long car rides. To help me with that, I put a picture of my mother in my car. She died of lung cancer from smoking cigarettes when I was only 16. Now I have a 16-year-old daughter. That picture of my mother reminds me that I don't want to miss all the things my daughter is going to do in her life including turning 17. You can quit. For free help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and CDC. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Okay, we're back. Hey, if you just uh, just tuned in and you missed part of the show and you want to hear more about it, don't forget WHK. Uh, if you go to WHK fourteen twenty, uh, they have the podcasts, uh, and you just look under local podcasts uh, and go to Tim Hayes, and they have them all. You can check you can check my record if you want to. <laughs> please, please, I try to keep uh, this on the up and up. And uh, anyway, the the point is, you know, uh, if you want to hear the whole thing, you know, it's it's there. Like I tell everybody every week, you know, if you can't sleep, uh, you know, just click it on your uh, on your cell phone and uh, put your earplugs in and I'll put you to bed in no time. OK, um, insiders, you know, we always talk about insiders. This is part of the process of moving down to ideas and and um, insiders know their companies better than we do. So when there's big sellers, look, last week I said that Mark Zuckerberg sold $100 million worth of stock. He actually sold $250 million worth of stock because they, he sold Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday too. On Thursday, his stock opened up down 
Hmm. <laughs> and they said it was all legal. Uh, and by the way, last week, uh, Twitter, there was one seller of, uh, of $30 million worth, and Twitter was down this week, too. So, But I, I would suggest that the insider transaction ratio went decidingly bearish this week. Okay? And I, I, I was looking for good ideas, and I Neuronetics... There was four buyers of 1.5 million. That was kind of interesting. I did notice multiple buyers in German American Bank Corp. Not a lot, but there was uh, six buyers of just $105,000. In York Water, there was 14 buyers uh, of just $28,000. Uh, so not a lot. Then I found some things, and uh, I I mentioned Mark Zuckerberg and uh, Cheryl Sandberg. Uh, Berg, by the way, is also the uh, CEO, and she'd sold uh, uh, $20 million worth, too. So, And then, you know, it was funny, Netflix, um, three insiders, uh, the CEO, uh, the chief um, officer of uh, content, the general counsel, and uh, Neil ha- Hastings all sold stock, and they sold a lot of it. Uh, uh, Neil Hastings sold uh, $50 million. 22 million and 11 million. So there we go. Now, I did notice uh, uh, Dish Networks. Remember, they, they bought back in June at around 29, and I noticed the same director bought another 309,000. Remember, he bought uh, twice uh, back in June, uh, I think May and June. Uh, he, uh, so he's up to about $2 million uh, worth of stock that he's bought. And then our good, good friend, uh, Dr. Uh, Frost, bought um, 300. 40,000, 310,000, and 450,000 this week of Opco. Boy, he, he's bought a lot of that stock. I mean, he's betting the ranch on it. So uh, I, I, I think, you know, uh, he may have something. Who knows? Um, the, the stock got beat up because they bought a company called Bioreference Labs, and nobody liked that. Uh, actually, they're just beating up the small cap uh, biotechnology, anything that's in the development stage, you know, that doesn't have any revenue. They're just beating them to a pulp. Um, RPM, local company, uh, John Belbach bought $500,000 worth. And, and what I liked about that was it was closing in on a new high. Uh, and Larry Culp, who's a director at GE, just bought $2.4 million. Now, just so you know, this guy sold almost all his stock back when Jack Welch retired. And I think this is his first purchase since then. I, I, I think. I'm not absolutely sure. So don't quote me on that. But uh, that's kind of interesting, okay? I mean, he sold uh, like twenty-five million dollars worth of stock the day, you know, about uh, two months after Jack Welch retired. So there you go. And and Susan Wojcicki, <laughs> she's a good Irish Catholic girl uh, from at Salesforce.com, who's a director at a new high, but another eight hundred and seventy-seven thousand dollars. So. She's bought, what, two of the last three weeks, and uh, she's doing it at a new high. So that's kind of interesting. Um, and and uh, I just emphasize that simply because of the fact that buying a new high for an insider is very interesting. I mean, that's very, very positive. Um, okay, so what, what's Tim thinking? You know, uh, Bob Dickey put out a chart this week. So if you, go, if you Google Tim Hayes Radio and you go to technical analysis, Bob Dickey's our head, uh, our technical strategist, and he's very good. I mean, he's well, very well respected. You know, uh, he used to be, uh, Mark Haynes used to have him on CNBC all the time. And uh, 
what you saw, what he said was the NASDAQ 100 index of the largest 100 NASDAQ stocks has been a market leader this year. And although it is extended on the upside, it also has support levels fairly close below. So basically what he's saying is, is that if you have the market leader start to sell off, you, you have to look other, other places. So who's going to lead the way? Well, on Thursday, when a lot of the technology stocks got hammered, a lot of the industrials went, came through. So is are we going back to the industrials? I don't know, but that's that's what Bob was saying. He also talked about its earnings season, and uh, you know we've been in the sideways pattern, and we're up near the resistance in the sideways pattern, and and we he thought maybe we'd sell off again, and that's what we seem to be doing. We seem to be getting up to that resistance pattern and selling off, getting up to that resistance, selling off, and and that's normally what happens in a consolidation pattern. You have a zig zigzag sideways zigzag pattern, and so when you get up to the top, you want to uh, Take it easy for a while. I do think I, I am seeing some change in leadership. Uh, that's for my clients, not f- not for you guys. <laughs> um, but look, the market appears to be starting another stalling or pullback period. So um, you got some slowing of recent momentum of some of the big names. Um, you know, previously large cap sector of technology has been getting beat up you know uh, they beat up micron which was a leader they beat up applied materials now they've beat up facebook uh and s- some of the small cap growth stocks are showing some loss of momentum okay uh w- you know which could could last for a while so y- you don't want to go out and do anything crazy but remember we we talked about this and the fed's balance sheet uh is a topic of a conversation so not only are they raising rates but they're not buying back bonds anymore. All right. So look, um, when rate strategies, you know, are for an upping of the rates, like Mr. Powell's doing, he's also reducing the size of their balance sheet. So it's a double tightening. And that's something that most academics, uh, aren't really talking about. And, and I, I think, they might argue that the discount window creates a ceiling on how far rates can spike. But the stigma with going to the window is so powerful that uh, it does not affect anything in the real world. <laughs> All right. So the point is, is that if if the balance sheet shrinks uh, and the interest rates go up, you know, how far I mean, I mean, how fast is the uh, tightening occurring? Okay. So people look at the interest rates and say, hmm, not a big deal. Uh, now, getting back to the NASDAQ, all right, uh, while we still have some time, there's an old say, saying about filling the gap. And in technical analysis, when you have a gap, if it's to the downside, you usually fill it to the upside. And when it's to the upside, you usually fill it to the downside. So we've got a few gaps here uh, on the NASDAQ 100. And with reporting season uh, has caused so many stocks to either jump in price up or down based on those reports. And and this may be at first to be an opportunity for traders, but price gaps on stocks have a high likelihood of filling eventually. But we have to find that when they're earnings driven, it takes uh, time for the stock to move back through the price gap area. If it's something else, it might be, you know, there's there's other things to worry about. But an actual miss in earnings, it takes a while for that stock to get back up. So 
had a lot of people call me and said, hey, should we buy Facebook? And I don't know the answer to that because it was a gap down in earnings, all right? And they're not they're talking about spending a lot of money over the next three or four quarters. So I think what they're trying to do is keep the government off their back, all right? That's my opinion. But, you know, is it a buy? Well, our analyst says fundamentally it's a buy. Technically, I think, you know, uh, having, you know, to wait a couple weeks, <laughs> you might, you know, think about that. Uh, look, fun, you, you want to put the fundamentals with the technicals. So if it takes a while for an earnings gap down to fill, you don't have to be the first one in, okay, on any of these things. So, uh, and this is for the aggressive traders, obviously, if you're, if you're retiring, stay with a dividend growth portfolio. But if you, by the way, like I said earlier, we have the ability to do the dividend growth portfolio for you and the prime income list, and they're, they're dynamite. I, uh, they do a great job. Uh, look, they're not trying to hit the home run. They're trying to hit singles and doubles and have their dividends grow every year. That's, in retirement, what you want. And what I can also do is add the technicals and the fundamentals, and we've got, you know, I've got the ability to look at things and say, okay, we've got a 3% yield. Maybe we can get a check a month. All right, so we not only have the dividend growth portfolio working for you, but the check a month club. <laughs> and we'll put the fundamentals and, and all that good stuff together. So uh, anyway, the, the, the top groups, one more time, were biotechnology, utilities, microcaps, and healthcare. Uh, that, so that's what's been going on. So what will you do right now? Well, like I said, we have lots of lists. I've been emphasizing the dividend growth list and the top idea and the, and the prime income list. I think the staples, uh, are up a lot and you want to be careful with them a little bit. Uh, you want to let them come back to you, but, uh, and, and the REITs are a little bit overbought here. So you want to wait for them to come back. But remember you buy yield when it's up. So if the, if the yield indexes do take off, uh, wait a while, see if they continue, and then, and when they put, you know, if they start. The preceding program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 